Yo and hello. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. And we're wondering, do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? And if you do, you better go catch it. <laughs> yeah, it's really gotten away from you because we're like two episodes <laughs> from the end here, man. It's gone pretty far without you being involved in this. If this is your dominant point, I mean, that's a choice. Today we're looking at season two, episode 25, Dance Around the Truth, the first part of the two-part finale <gasps> of Radio Free oh, Roscoe. Oh my god, we were right down to the wire. This first aired I can't believe it. May 27th, 2005. It was written by Doug McRobb and directed by Paul Fox. <sighs> Looks like we finally made it. Yeah, the year's almost over and I'm still here. More importantly, we all have a date for this big dance. We don't have to go alone like pathetic losers. Ow! Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> it's okay, I want to fly solo. The stage is set with a banner for the school dance. I think it's the year-end dance. So we're we're at I guess I guess the end of the year. Well, like this whole series has taken place over one year, yeah, I think. Yeah, so I mean we we start off with like dialogue of like, oh we're almost there, it's the end of the year, Travis is still here. So <laughs> oh no. I don't like oh. that setup. <laughs> Travis just explodes partway through. But they're all talking about Oh Travis not here anymore. They're all talking about this end of year dance. And, oh, it's so exciting that we all have dates so we don't have to worry about it. And then they look at Robbie and they're like, oh, wait. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. Sorry. Um, and he's like, no, don't worry about it. All those hot girls and only one me because Robbie's oh. gotten real smug lately. Um, but yeah. he's excited to fly solo and meet a cute girl. New Robbie romance. We'll see. Travis is something like, Oh, don't you know? You'll heal from your first love and find somebody new. And Ray and Lily are kind of awkwardly like, "Yeah, yeah, that's what happens." As they're kind of like being weird around each other. Then we go to Cougar Radio, where River gives Lily a necklace where it's like her name and like, and it's very like a shiny, shiny gold. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe not. But it's shiny anyway, and it's golden, and it says Lily on it. And it's <laughs> <laughs> a very roundabout way of describing this necklace. I know, I know. It's just a necklace that says Lily on it. It's just a Lily necklace. And and she's like, oh, wow, and is grateful, but is like, I feel like this is too fancy. And he's like, well, wear it for me. And she's like, okay. Um, (laughs) Meanwhile, Grace and Ray are in the hallway, and it seems like things really aren't resolved from the last episode as we had thought they might have been, because he is once again cracking jokes, and Grace is like, can you just be serious about something for once? And... um, they're talking about the dance, and she's like, wait till you see my dress. You won't be able to take your eyes off me. Cue him looking over her shoulder at Lily, flaunting her necklace. And he's like, Lily never wears jewelry. And he's like, and Grace is like, well, what girl wouldn't want a necklace like that from her boyfriend? Like, very, very leading kind of thing. And yeah. Grace, and Ray just turns it into a joke. He's like, well, what if you were on Jupiter? That thing would be so heavy. And Grace is like, oh, oh my god. <laughs> What am I doing here? You just, you think about how this relationship started as just like find random girl in cafe and pull her into this, this double date scenario. And it's just like, these two are just not compatible. Well, and if this is the problem, if the problem is that Ray is too goofy and doesn't take things seriously, how have they lasted this long? Because that's Ray's yeah. entire character is that he is yeah. a goof. Like, how did they last past two dates? It's it's a mystery, but what's not a mystery is Travis and Parker being cute. They're all snuggled on the stairs and they're just they're just talking about random shit 
like clones and tongues and <laughs> it's I mean, weird that's, that's entirely accurate but a very uh, fun way of, of describing that scene yeah and parker just like licks travis on the nose and leaves <laughs> but it's like they're quirky and cute and uh parker joins up with lily and she notices lily's necklace and lily's like yeah you know it's it's weird we don't Parker, or River and I don't click the way that you and Travis do. We clack. So we go to the radio station and Lily's kind of playing with her necklace and Robbie kind of asks, do you ever really get over your first love? <laughs> and uh, Ray and Lily are feeling super uncomfortable because they keep kind of looking at each other. And it's just like in the last episode, like all these feelings have been kind of churned up again. Really ever since Lily started dating River, it's been like the catalyst for Ray to be like, wait, Wait, what? <laughs> and now Lily's feeling it too. So it's just just weird vibes all around. They're both kind of like spacing out as uh, as Smog and Question Mark are talking. And then as the show wraps up, Travis gets a fateful call from Hong Kong. And the gang assumes that it's Bridget. So all of this talk of your first love has just summoned her. So we get this kind of conversation at Lily's place between Lily and Ray, uh, presumably later that night, just hanging out in um, the basement and saying how weird it was that, you know, Bridget had called just then, just as they were having that conversation. And, you know, they kind of continue the whole never getting over your first love talk. And Ray's like, well, they just they haven't found, you know, some people just haven't found somebody else like we did. That That's really fine. And Lily's like, yeah, yeah, it's just like us. We're good. This, everything's good this is fine this is such a frustrating conversation because it was just like you guys were both crazy about each other and you're just you're just your timing was just a little bit off or if you hadn't been like stubborn here or whatever it's just like it's it's uh it's so weird because it's like they acknowledge their feelings for each other but it was like, yeah i mean like blah. it's like they, they acknowledge like they did have that date and ray did ask ask her out and all of that so it's like but it's it still feels like there's stuff that's like never been said between the two of them even though like yeah. we've had that kind of acknowledgement already in the series <laughs> so it's it's very strange yeah yeah and it's just like we're seeing ray and grace's relationship continue to disintegrate <laughs> at mickey's they're just kind of sitting, holding hands, and Grace is like, what are you thinking about? And Ray goes into this whole story. It's like, do you ever think people wake up thinking they're going to play the tuba? <laughs> and Grace is like, oh my god. And here I was hoping you were maybe thinking about me. And Ray's like, no, I was I was totally thinking about you. I was thinking about how I, I wake up and I realize I'm going to be with you. And Grace is like, really? <laughs> you think I'm like a tuba? You think I'm like a tuba? And then Ray gives her a handcrafted, like, little... It kind of looks like the friendship bracelets that Lily and Audrey made for each other, like, eons ago. Um, and, you know, it is very cute, but in the context of everything, Grace is like, you're just giving this to me because you saw River give, like, Lily something with her name on it. And uh, Ray says, no, no, come on, I'm not River. And Grace is like, and I'm not Lily. <laughs> and she leaves. They, like, they should have gone to Manny's. Bad. They've gone to Manny's, this conversation would have been a lot different. Yeah, I would have had a few more renditions of that some more. <laughs> yeah, would have solved everything. I mean, yep. coffee, house, coffee guy, as we're referring to him now, I guess, can't keep up with that. Still mad yeah. about it. 
Guitar faces are <sighs> it's Guitar face. Come on. Do I have to do all the work here? Parker, I adore you. I want to dance with you until I drop. Hey, what's up? I don't want to go to the dance, okay? What? Why not? It'll just be a total waste of time. The next day at school, Travis walks in very stiffly. It's very much like episode one, Travis Strong walk, where he looks very uncomfortable. He's walking super stiff into the hallway. And Parker's trying to be all cute. And she says, dance with me. And Travis is all like, Parker, everyone's staring. And, you know, Parker's trying to be cute and affectionate and stuff like that. And she mentions the dance and Travis is like, I'm not going to the dance. It's stupid. It's a waste of time. And he just leaves. And Parker's like, so sad. Yeah, she's like, I wasn't going to make you do the bunny hop. And you're like, oh, oh Parker. Parker. Sad puppy face. Parker, we love you. And then we've got uh, River and Lily, again, just hanging out in the Cuckoo Radio booth. I don't know that River exists anywhere else except in this booth. I think, like, when you it's... become a DJ, you just kind of sell your soul to the booth. And that's, like, where you belong. And Lily's kind of, like, goofing off and doing, like like, a supermarket joke. And is like trying to get his attention. He's like, Lily, I'm busy because he's always busy with what? It's a law application. <laughs> More internships. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows how much prep needs to go into this? Um, and Lily kind of tries to return the whole uh, necklace thing, but, you know, give tries to give him like a little heart temporary tattoo. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. And she's like, but that's the point. He's like, well, I'll just wear my pants backwards then. <laughs> it's, it's very strange. <laughs> so we, we see the, like the the rift between Lily and River just continuing to grow. She's like, "I'm just going to leave," and he's like, "Thanks." They seem to have passed that kind of honeymoon. Like they're always kissing and hanging out and hugging and yeah. and accidentally falling asleep together. And it it's just very quick. like, yeah, it's just incompatibility time. So yeah, Lily leaves and she's upset. And then we get, oh god, this is definitely a Grace deserves better scene. She approaches Robbie in the hallway and she says, hey, my dad had that like Velvet Underground album you were looking for. And guess she's loaning an album to Robbie and she's so she's so sweet. Once again with the gifts, because she gave like Lily that very personal guitar strap yeah. like after they just met. Like again, <laughs> this like friend group that she's like very, very loosely a part of is very yeah. sweet too. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like we never like I can't remember the last time we saw Robbie and Grace interact if ever. If ever, yeah. <laughs> and Grace just kind of blurts out, she's like, does Ray have feelings for Lily? And Robbie's like, what? No, he's crazy about you. And she's just kind of like, looks relieved. She's like, I knew you'd set me straight, Robbie. And then immediately we cut to the radio station where Robbie's asking, is it okay to lie somebody to somebody if you know the truth is going to hurt them? Oh. Oh, no. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> And it just, it ends up being a very, it ends up being a pretty sad conversation all around because Lily's like, I think we just lie to ourselves and we can't always get what we want, what we truly want. And Ray's like, I think we're all just afraid of being rejected. Meanwhile, he kind of slips the uh, the uh, other temporary heart tattoo that Lily had tried to give River. She kind of has it on the desk. And so he, it's very cute. He picks it up, puts it on his wrist and he just has like a little like water gun full of water and uses it to like squirt water onto yeah, the temporary tattoo. Yeah, and it's like, he obviously it's, doesn't know the significance to Lily of that little tattoo, but it's just like very yeah. sweet. Just like nonchalantly puts it on. It's, yeah. It's very cute. It's, it's just like another sign that it's just like, he's just like, oh, I like this. This is but fun. But then- and the group throws it over oh, to God. Travis. They're like, Travis, what do you think about this? And he says, the only thing that we know is that we're born alone. Ooh. We live alone. 
we die alone. Oh, Jesus God. Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Travis. So something is up with Travis, and we're going to find out yeah. what in the second half. So we are wrapping up our CanCon commercial break, and I... Continuing uh, last week's tradition, this is a show that <laughs> I had never, I had never heard of before uh, this research period. But this week we're talking about Toad Patrol. So Toad Patrol first aired from 1999 to 2002. And it was produced by, uh, get ready for it, Toad Bag Productions, Edward Sarson Productions, Vision Entertainment, Fun Bag Animation Studios, Helix Animation, uh. Universal Pictures International, ACOM, and RME LLC. So what? <laughs> a lot of people were involved with these toads. Oh my god. So the show was created by George and Piggy Sarson. I'm going to get into them a little bit later. But oh it was developed by Rob Hudnut. And instead of, like, you know, listing things off, I'm just going to read his IMDb bio. Oh, man. Rob Hudnut is one of the most innovative and successful storytellers in children's entertainment. He fully wrote this himself, right? Hudnut! His movies, television series, and specials have inspired billions of hours of viewership and over $15 billion in entertainment, toy, and consumer product sales. Before starting Rob Hudnett Productions in 2017 to create toy-based and faith-based franchises, Rob served for 19 years as executive producer and vice president of Mattel's entertainment division. During that time, Rob created award-winning entertainment for Barbie, Hot Wheels, Fisher-Price Little People, Rescue Heroes, DC Superhero Girls, Masters of the Universe, and many other Mattel brands. Rob co-wrote Barbie in the Nutcracker, oh, the shit. first Barbie movie. Oh my god. He then executive produced an additional 27 titles that have sold well over 180 million copies worldwide. Wow. Rob is also an Emmy-nominated songwriter who co-wrote over 50 songs for the Barbie movies, as well as songs for Hot Wheels and Fisher-Price. He is also- <laughs> a Hot Wheels song. I know. I know. <laughs> what would a Hot Wheels song be? He has also been the executive producer for Barbie stage shows and live experiences. Rob is a Princeton University graduate. Prior to Mattel, he developed and co-executive produced television series Mighty Max and Captain Simeon. Rob and his wife have twin sons and live in Los Angeles, where he's usually playing tennis. Wow, Hudnut. <laughs> so that's Rob Hudnut for you. But uh, a bit about the show Toad Patrol. So this is the Wikipedia synopsis. The story is about a group of eight young toadlet siblings and their struggle for survival in the great forest. The ancients are quite powerful and knowledgeable in shamanistic-like magic. According to legend, they had created Toad Hollow, left many symbols of their existence behind, and had eventually disappeared. Now, due to unknown reasons, the toads have to abandon the forest and migrate to Toad Hollow. Toad Hollow is basically a giant haven home to many toads. The only way to enter Toad Hollow is a gateway known as the Fairy Ring. Or at least this is the only way that will prevent one from becoming a toadstool after the ring closes. <laughs> this is so much. This, this, this portal of sorts opens and closes in random areas of the forest annually, and any who miss the ring end up stranded or turn into a toadstool. Oh the main characters are late-born toadlets who miss the Great Migration. Unable to figure out what to do, they are greeted by a wandering toad sage named Mistletoad. He then tells them about the fairy ring and how to find it. 
It is not known exactly where it is because the location changes every year. It is revealed shortly after that the youngest of the eight toadlets, Panther Cap, has the ability to hear what certain lightning oaks called thunder trees by the toadlets are saying and can also tune into these trees telepathically with the use of an acorn. So Along their journey, every member of the group develops a special skill, which they use to contribute to the group's survival. They also meet Earthstar, a young toadlet musician who was part of the previous group of toadlets who failed to find the fairy ring in time and all turned into toadstools. I really want to know what strain of magic mushrooms Hudnut ate when he like came up with this series. Well, speaking of magic mushrooms, here's the character list for the show. So in the main group, we've got Furfoot, Beauty Step, Elf Cup, Shaggy Mane, Puffball, Oyster, Slippery Jack, Panther Cap, Earthstar, and Mistletoe. Oh my so, god. Oh, oh, what a crew. I love it. It sounds like the type of characters I'd come up with when I was like eight and coming up with right. fantasy lore. So uh, going into the cast for this one, um, just kind of jumping through, we've got a lot of people who we've seen come up in CanCon content before. Uh, we've got Sonia Ball as Beauty Stem, who has been voicing Mrs. Reed on Arthur since 1996, baby. Oh, fuck yeah. Has uh, also worked on H2O Mermaid Adventures, My Goldfish is Evil, Mona the Vampire, Sticking Around, and of course, The Magical Adventures of Quasimodo. <laughs> of course. Then we've got Don Ford as Elf Cup, uh, voiced in Animal Crackers and The Worst Witch. It has also been voicing in Arthur since 1999, playing various characters. Is Elf Cup a cup for elves or a cup made of elves? <laughs> We like... never know. <laughs> Scientists have yet to, you know, bring their conclusions. We've got Rick Jones as Erebus. Uh, Rick Jones is voiced in The Raccoons, Dennis the Menace, Rupert sticking around, Hosehounds, Mr. Meaty. He was also Pokeroo on Polka Dot Shorts, <gasps> which is based off of Polka Dot Door. Wow. Um, Polka Dot Door is a big one in CanCon, but it kind of ran outside of our window. You know, it was a kind of 70s, 80s kind of show. Um but the, the description on, I believe it was the IMDb for Polka Dot Shorts, just calls the show the documentation of a collection of beings whose existences seem to revolve almost exclusively around the discovery of a single pair of dot pattern under a pickle. So that's fun. That's a very clinical de- de- <laughs> like description of a fanciful show. Uh, we've got Bryn McCauley as Oyster. We've seen Bryn McCauley's name pop up in a ton of shows. She's kind of our connection throughout a ton of these, has voiced in a lot of the shows I've talked about before. And we've also got Terrence Scammell in the voice cast. Uh, he also is an Arthur voice actor, playing various characters, including Brain's dad. He's also in Wings Club, The Secret World of Benjamin Bear, Mona the Vampire, and What's With Andy. Um, a quick note about the Wikipedia page for both Terrence Scammell and Rick Jones. Um, in the kind of like trailer heading where you see the first images of probably their most relevant pieces of media both of them in the trailer have a clip from spookly the square pumpkin so (gasps) there you go fun fact we went apple picking for the first time this year jody and a frequent podcast guest and my husband hubert and i and the uh, apple farm had spookly the square pumpkin merchandise (laughs) they had merch we could get a spookly plushie if we wanted to but this was also how I discovered um, the sequel, the 2019 film Spookly and the Christmas Kittens, which I was worried to bring up because I now know that you will force me to watch this the next time that we hang out <laughs> because it's bad and it's got cats in it. Oh, that's true. It's true. So a little bit of background on this show. The series was first realized by George and Peggy Sarson in 1985. George created the character of Mistletoad back then and penned a series of short stories about toad tunnels, 
tunnels dug in some areas of the world for groups of toads who migrate. The tunnels act as a way to give the toads a safe passageway past freeways and roads, and this has been known to destroy whole groups of migrating toads before the invention of the tunnels. George found the perilous journey of the toads fascinating and created a story about it. Sounds fun. Uh, Teletoon, at the time not yet launched, commissioned the first season as early as January 1997 for its first batch of original programming. In 2002, the sale of broadcast rights to Disney in the U.S. was announced, along with the production of a second season. A show-sponsored page has stated that 13 additional episodes of the series were in production as of 2005, but I'm not sure that those ever saw the light of day. So, the design of these characters, to me, they all just kind of look like Neopets. <laughs> I can remember what a Neopet looks like. It looks like that, or like the Land Before Time, where it's like these very like cartoony, kind of like rounded characters. Uh, I did find one petition relating to the show. Uh, it's on gopetition.com called Please Put the Entire Toad Patrol Cartoon Series on DVD. Um, there's a little description for it here. Uh, back in 1999, there was a cool little show called Toad Patrol that it aired on Teletoon Channel. And then there's like a YouTube link to it, I presume an episode. It starred eight toadlets who set out to find the fairy ring. After the series ended with 26 episodes, only three DVDs were ever released of this series. And questionably... There has never been a complete series release yet, <laughs> as if that's like Burning a controversy. Question. Yeah. Oh, the conspiracy. Um, and then underneath that, it says many cartoons such as Sonic the Hedgehog, dubbed Satam by fans, got a complete series DVD release by demand of the fans. Let's do the same with Toad Patrol. Please <laughs> sign and spread the petition far and wide, and let's bring the complete series of Toad Patrol to DVD. And just, why'd they bring up Sonic? <laughs> Somehow I feel the Toad Patrol fandom is probably a little bit smaller than the Sonic fandom. And well, hopefully less disturbing. <laughs> well, let's just dive right into it. Let's dive right into oh, that fandom. Shit. So jumping over to Tumblr, there's a lot of who remembers <laughs> this show kind of posts, you know. Of course, uh, here's one that says completely random, but who remembers Toad Patrol? All I remember about it is that there was like this Toad Gandalf and he led these little tadpole people around the woods, and it was like a weird mix of Redwall and the 1970s animated Hobbit film, but toned down for younger kids. <laughs> this post says, getting all nostalgic and mushy over Toad Patrol. Wow, holy shit, that show was my childhood. I mean, I mostly saw it in Spanish, but whatever. Its target ages were rather young, but wow, all I remember were the dark themes it covered. I might cry because I don't remember if they caught up with everyone from the Great Migration or not. Oh... And then there's two separate posts. So, I mean, Mistletoad is like their, like, guide. It's like mm -hmm. the adult toad that, like, leads them. But apparently... Mistletoad. Yeah, people do not like Mistletoad. <gasps> this post says, fuck you, Mistletoad. Toad Patrol <laughs> AU, where Mistletoad is just fucking dead. Panther Cap killed him. <laughs> Nothing was lost, and Panther Cap is a hero. <laughs> and then another post from a different author says, Mistletoad call-out post. Doesn't help orphans because he thinks they're going to die anyway. Let's orphans almost die on several occasions. Breaks promises. Is ungrateful when orphans save his life. Insults orphans while they're saving his life. Can carry one of the orphans one-handed when she's dying, but makes the other orphans carry her even though it takes four of them to do so, and even then they can barely do it. Mistletoad is the fucking worst, and I want him to die. Wow. I need to see what Mistletoad looks like. Oh, it's this big guy with the staff. Yeah, he looks like he sucks. There, there was not an r slash Toad Patrol that I that I saw, but I did find a post on r slash Mycology, the study of mushrooms. It says, "Let's give it up for the show Toad Patrol for inspiring my interest in mushrooms." Aww, that's so cute. Very cute. 
So got got somebody into mycology. So that's really fun. I did take a quick look into the deviant art group, the Toad Patrol Club, which has maybe the most strict <laughs> posting rules I've ever seen. Um, so these are the rules. Please submit all art to the appropriate folders. For the time being, Earthstar and Mistletoad are not considered members of the Toad Patrol. So they would be submitted to show extras, not to the Toad Patrol folder. If wow. a show extra is drawn with the Toad Patrol, the image goes in the Toad Patrol folder. If an OC is drawn with a member of the Toad Patrol or a show extra, it goes into the official and it goes into the official and OC's folder. If the oh line God. is somewhat vague, e.g., an official Toad Patrol character drawn as a human, lion, etc., it goes into the crossovers and reimagining folder. All sketches and doodles go into the sketches and doodles folder. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is or which character it contains. What distinguishes a sketch doodle from a finished picture? Clean line art and color. The only images we won't be accepting are images drawn on lined paper. Grid paper also counts as lined. If you're using a camera in place of a scanner, please try to ensure that the quality is acceptable before submitting. Excessive blurriness and or bad lighting may be grants for rejecting your work. If you're submitting poetry or prose, please be aware that a founder or co-founder will have to read and approve it before it will be allowed into the group. Wow. So y'all better get serious about Toad Patrol if you want your work featured here. Oh my my god. God. It's just too much. I did take a quick look into the crossovers folder and found a couple of pieces of fan art uh, of the Toads with PB and J Otter and also some Timothy Goes to School characters. Oh my god. So I thought that was very cute. And then jumping over into the wiki. This is the first fandom wiki that I've seen that has a lore tab. Probably one of my favorite like things that I found in this Toad Patrol lore um, was this fact. Among the Toad Patrols, Shaggy Mane is known as the giver of names. He is responsible for naming the new things the team encounters, including animals and areas they visit. Um, which I'm assuming is the reason why in this wiki there is a Toad Speak dictionary. Oh my that god! Outlines all of the terminology that they use. So here's here's a couple of my favorites. Um, chilly wet, which is cold water. See also thick wet. Oh no! What the fuck is thick wet? I don't want to know. <laughs> I think it's snow. I can't remember. Let's hope so. This one, a uh, tutor, an instrument similar to a penny whistle that Elf Cup carries around. Another giant tutor exists in the forest <laughs> and is one of three ancient instruments. See also, <laughs> strum along, thick sickle. <laughs> thick sickle. Oh, no. <laughs> I just like the idea sickle. that like this ancient instrument, the giant tutor. <laughs> and then my favorite entry into the Toadspeak Dictionary, Toad Splat. Alternative term that refers to someone dying or getting injured, usually after a long fall or after being crushed. Jesus Christ, how, how often, often do they use happening? that? Like, why oh. do you need a, a name for How often is that happening? How many toad splats per episode are we oh talking about? Oh my god, here? toad splat. I did find a print on Redbubble that just says, I'm the entire Toad Patrol fandom. So you can get a t-shirt that says that. And I think that's pretty Yes. Great. Can you imagine, like... Somebody getting that shirt and then one day finding somebody else wearing that shirt and then they just fall in love. But I mean, the real reason that I wanted to talk about the show is, of course, because of Run for the Toad. So what? George and Peggy Sarson, the creators of this series, for 19 years ran a marathon called Run for the Toad. So according to worldsmarathons.com, the Run for the Toad 50K is the largest trail race in Canada and is held at Pinehurst Lake Conservation Area, just north of Paris, Ontario. 
It features a challenging course through a Carolinian forest. The well-directed race is a must-do event for trail runners. Run for the Toad is one of the country's fastest-growing trail races, with about 1,200 runners gathering at the starting line of its 50K each year. Taking place in southwestern Ontario's quaint town of Paris, those who train for this goal race have to be prepared for the trail's twists and turns. Every race has its claim to fame. For those who organize Run for the Toad, one of the points that gives them bragging rights is the excellent post-race meal. This is no pizza slice at the finish kind of race. This year, runners got to fill their plates with their choice of lemon chicken breast, fresh salads, pasta, roasted butternut squash couscous salad, and pie. That's a buffet that hungry trail runners look forward to and can thank St. Jacob's Stonecrop Restaurant for supplying. The restaurant is a favorite among tourists and those who live in the town of St. Jacob's. What the fuck? (laughs) What the fuck? I mean, I can't think of any other CanCon that has inspired a a marathon. So this this started in the year 2000. So like between the first and second season of the show, I believe. Um, 2019 was the last race. So in the Running Magazine article, Run for the Toad says goodbye after 19 years, they said the race has been extremely popular in no small part due to the generosity of its organizers and sponsors. Runners get a full catered lunch on site, as well as an attractive backpack with a registration. In addition to the finisher's medal, age group prizes, free coffee, hot chocolate and donuts, free entry to the conservation area and shelter from the elements if that should be necessary. The atmosphere is one of goodwill. Well, damn it! I hear I was kind of thinking like maybe I'll maybe that'll be a goal is to run. Kate, which toad are they running for though? Okay, <laughs> so like it, if if you look on their site, there is like in their logo, it's a toad drawn in the style of these characters. I think it's mistletoe, um, but the the relation to the show itself is very tenuous. All I know is that in the kids section. There's tents where there's apparently like decorations that were Toad Patrol themed, and they would have TVs that would be, and they would have TVs that be playing the episodes in French and English. So there was, <laughs> you know, a Toad Patrol relation to it. It was there. and the official like email contact for them is sarson at toadpatrol.com. So it's like it's all related, and it's run for the Toad. So it's like it's about Toad Patrol, but it's I I don't think these people are coming to this marathon every year for the Toads. <laughs> Yeah. Like, do they just show up for the the lunch? (laughs) But yeah, so that ran for for 19 years, 2019 being the last year, and it's probably one of the, like, most buck wild, you know, things related to a piece of CanCon that we found. As far as I know, this is, like, the only piece of media that George and Peggy produced. It was just that George thought, like, oh, like, the the thing that toads have to do to migrate is buck wild. I'm going to write a whole, like, series about it. And then we're Incredible. just going to make a marathon, and that's going to be our legacy. That's so, insane. Outstanding. So uh, jumping into some reviews, I'm going to pull from IMDb. There's only two IMDb reviews. There were five on TV.com, but I had to forego those because three of them <laughs> are over a thousand words long. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They are full essays about Toad Patrol. Wow. what? Oh my god. And like, they're, they're these full essays, and then if you look at the bottom sentence, they're like, I hope I haven't spoiled too much for you, but I've given you something that makes you want to watch Toad Patrol. As if somebody who hasn't seen this show is gonna read this full essay and be like, yes, oh. this is this is it. That's what's oh incredible to me when I see the really long reviews. It's like, oh. Well, I've, I've oh. learned from, from those entries... From the lore tab and the wiki, from the rules of the DeviantArt, that people who are in the Toad Patrol fandom 
are very serious about Toad's Yeah. So the, the two reviews that I got from IMDb are both pretty overwhelmingly positive. This one's called A Forgotten Animated Classic. Toad Patrol is a magical piece of work that any fantasy fan may enjoy. For one thing, the soundtrack is awesome, made entirely of tribal sounds that are meant to coincide with a forest setting that gives off a similar serenity to the show Mushishi, except not as powerful. It has a similar feel to the land before time for its slightly dark undertones and its topics. Toad Patrol is something I wish I had gotten myself into much earlier in my child life, then I could have known more about it and seen it more. A child and an adult can enjoy, and I recommend it. Like I said, it's a great little children's fantasy that tackles dark subjects and sadly only lasted 26 episodes. Please don't let the dark subjects chastise you, though. This has little to no (laughs) tearing moments. Please try it out. I was with them until chastised. Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting told off by this show. And then this review says, surprisingly deep and touching cartoon. One night in March 2015, I wasn't quite feeling up for sleeping. Bored out of my mind, I turned to something I had been thinking about for the past few days, looking up old cartoons I'd watched. I was only three when the second season of Toad Patrol aired, so my memories of it were scattered and truly warped. All I could remember were certain shots, vague character designs, and one key word, Toadstool. Based off this, I was luckily able to find it quickly. I watched it, and at first I wasn't too impressed. The first episodes start off slow, with eight toadlets stranded in a forest. It wasn't until episode two that the show proved itself to me. I quickly grew attached to Earthstar, partially due to realizing what would happen later, from what I remembered from the early airings. However, it would be months before I saw the episode I remembered at all, not even in English. That episode would be The Sacrifice. Boy, what an episode to remember. (laughs) No wonder I was scared of accidentally harming mushrooms as a kid. Anyways, great show, lots of subtle character development, and everyone really needs a hug in season two. This show was way ahead of its time. Wow, Toad Patrol. But yeah, so that's that's Toad Patrol, a fun uh, little show about toads that somehow spurned a marathon that lasted 19 years and was beloved by uh, people who lived near Paris, Ontario, and people who lived like uh, further away. I found a that's ton wild. of like articles from various like runners groups and runners magazines that were like check this one out this is such a good one if there's one thing i've learned over these series of cancon commercial breaks is if you want to find the really weird fandom shit look for the cartoons (laughs) cartoon fandoms are weird man (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's i i feel like a lot of it is the fan art right like it just burns so much more fan art and so much more interpretations of what fan art is and what what animals you can make humanoid. I've seen this side of him before. The crazy mumbling to himself sides. When Travis has a problem, he likes to handle it on his own. Am I the problem? You, are you kidding me? You're the best thing that's ever happened to Travis. Robbie is again trying to play the reassuring friend, this time to Parker, who's dumping sugar in her, uh, coffee, tea, hot cocoa, whatever it is, uh, because, you know, Travis doesn't want to go to the dance and he's blowing her off. Robbie tries to reassure her and says, you know, when Travis has a problem, he kind of, you know, he, he, sh- sh- like, he kind of retreats back into himself and, you know, he, he gets really, he kind of deals with these things by himself and Parker's just like, am I the problem? <laughs> Robbie's like, no, no, Parker's, Parker's like, perfect. Parker's perfect. But meanwhile, you know, he thinks, uh, like the the group has all assumed that Bridget is the one who who called him, and Parker knows Robbie's lying, and she's like, you know, don't worry, I'll I'll figure it out. I think Robbie tells her like that he got a call from Hong Kong, 
and Parker also assumes it's Bridget, so she's like, don't worry, Robbie, I'll I'll deal with this. And then we get a really cute scene between Lily and Grace. It's so cute. They're being so sweet. Grace is like, hey, do you want to go to the dance, the four of us, me and Ray and you and River? I thought maybe you guys would want to hang out and dance. And you kind of get the sense that Grace is still maybe trying to suss out stuff a little bit, but it ends up being this really cute bonding moment for Lily and Grace where they're both just dunking on Ray's dancing ability. <laughs> Yeah, and like just telling each other, they're like, oh, Grace is like, I think you have the coolest style of anybody here. And Lily's like, no, I love your style. And they're just like very nice and good natured towards each other. And it's very nice to see like that depiction and not have it be like super catty or anything. Yeah. It's just like, Grace is just so earnest in how she approaches everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's very sweet. She notices uh, Lily's temporary heart tattoo, which if... If you'll recall, before the break, Ray put on the matching heart tattoo, and I guess, like, it's it's very vibrant, so it's lasting very well, so that might come back to uh, haunt Ray a little bit later. And then we get, ugh, we get the awful scene between Travis and Parker, where Travis tries to kind of skirt past Parker, and Parker calls him out for avoiding her, and she, you know, she kind of goes with the group's assumption and says, you know, uh, when were you going to tell me about Bridget calling you? And Travis kind of says, I've been meaning to tell you. I thought it was over Bridget, but I'm not. I'm sorry. And, and it's, Parker- like, it's very oh. clear that he's like lying. Yeah. He, there's, there's something that he's like not telling, uh, not telling her, but you can tell he's like trying to kind of like wreck this relationship and have mm-hmm. her like not care about him at all. So he's like, you yeah. must hate me now. And she's like, no, I can never hate you. You are nothing. <laughs> I feel yeah. nothing towards you. And oh, it's so sad. I, I I I will say I think there was a missed opportunity in the scene, and I guess it wouldn't work because they're at odds with each other. But Parker is wearing a tan and brown outfit that is the same color of like tan and brown, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like the same combo as Travis's iconic be. shirt. And I'm like, oh, why why did they never wear this matching outfit? That would have been perfect. It could have been. We go to the radio show and. Uh, <laughs> just as they're wrapping up they're like sorry guys we we sucked today and it turns out it's because travis bailed out on the show so i guess lily had to run the board and nobody knows the board like travis so i guess it was a pretty rough time and they're all ticked off at travis because they've by now heard the news that he he dumped parker and you know he's bailed on the show and then travis shows up and he's like I'm sorry I missed the show, guys. I have to tell you something. And they're like, we all know about Bridget. You made a big mistake. And he's like, it wasn't Bridget. It was my dad. Um, He got a position at the embassy in Hong Kong. Two weeks, I'm gone. And then the gang's like saying, like, you know, you can't leave. And Ray's like, I'm just uh, I'm just starting to understand half the things you say. And they realize that Travis basically tried to pull the same tactic he did with Bridget, where he's like, you know, I'm just going to break things off so that, like, she'll be able to get over me. It'll be easier for her because he's a, a big, tough guy who knows what he's doing, even though he's just a confused, hurt 14-year-old who's moved too many times. Then uh, Robbie and Lily have a bit of a heart-to-heart where Lily's explaining that, you know, she she's not sure about this whole thing with River. She's wondering if they're, what if she kind of, like, gets under the veneer of River Pierce and it turns out that there's, there is nothing there. Like, he is just really as superficial as, as everyone makes him out to be. And Robbie's like, you know, Lily, I, 
I know you kind of want me to tell you like what to do like to break up with him but I don't know like we all hide parts of ourselves he could be hiding a part of himself which is a very like charitable response Mm -hmm. for Robbie to give when he's talking about River Pierce for him to not just be like dump him he's terrible it's uh yeah it's very different from what we've been seeing I think Robbie's been able to to see some of those moments where where River cares for Lily so he's you know he's he's really playing mediator here where he's trying to like you know look out for his friends and provide what advice he can but mm-hmm. just just kind of be a support character this episode meanwhile <laughs> you know like everybody's like dealing with their relationship woes and he's just like single and ready to mingle i guess cuz there's so many girls and only one Robbie but <laughs> so uh one Robbie but then, Lily- then we do get like uh, a scene between Lily and River at Lily's place where River shows up and he's like, Lily, I haven't been really showing you how I feel. And she's like, don't <laughs> don't give me another gift. He's like, no, this one's different. And he sits down and he like sits down at her keyboard and sings her a song. Like he wrote like this like <laughs> shitty little song yeah. just about, you know, like I make everything look easy, but I'm really just an idiot who's in love with you. And it's it's cute. I mean, it's it's not great. Yeah, but it's it's like a very sweet gesture for him to like, you know, see how passionate see how passionate she is about music and know how meaningful that would be for her. And he's like, it was pretty bad, wasn't it? She's like, yeah, but it was perfect to me. And yeah. it's it's genuinely sweet. It's genuinely a sweet gesture. I also love he turns on the keyboard and it plays like a full like demo. Like, which yeah. makes me think, I'm picturing now, like, River Pierce going into a keyboard store and just hitting the demo button over and over again and just writing a song to yeah, it. Yeah, like, he, he doesn't have a keyboard of his own, obviously, so he's yeah. just, like, in a freaking, like, Best Buy, just yeah. playing, like, the little demos. And they're like, sir, you have to leave. Sir, you can't, you can't just do that. Produces an entire Pierce. album in the store. So why'd you want to meet? I didn't think you'd ever talk to me again. I'm not like you. I can't just turn my back on people I care about. Staring contest. I'm not in the mood for games. It's not a game. So at Mickey's, Travis is uh, is sitting. I guess he's about to meet up with Parker. It's kind of great. Megan and Parker come in and Megan does the whole like, don't you hurt her now? <laughs> like she does the whole like, I'm watching you thing to Travis. So Megan's there as backup, which is great. Love Megan. Um, and Parker and Travis end up having a chat and Parker basically says, Travis, look me in the eye and tell me you don't want to be with me. And he says, there's only one girl I love you. And then he tells her about the whole Hong Kong thing. And and he's like, I just thought it would hurt less. And she's like, Travis, it hurts, but this is real. And let's deal with it. He's like, you're amazing. He's like, I know. (laughs) It's such like a a good, like mature response that she's just like immediately ready for. And it's it's great, but we have so many faithful things happening at Mickey's tonight. So oh we've got that God. conversation of you know Travis and Parker committing to like making the most of their time together and actually dealing with this. But then we go outside and we see Grace come to to meet up with Ray. She's wearing the necklace he made. Seems all good. She's like, I had a good talk with Lily. We're gonna swap clothes. Everything's good. I'm sorry I didn't trust you. He's like, Oh, all good. And then she sees a heart tattoo on his arm and she's just like, wait a minute. And he's like, oh, it's just a a tattoo. And she's like, yeah, but what in your, what's in your heart matters. What's in your heart? She asks him if he's still in love with Lily and he can't respond. And she's like, I knew it. 
I think I always knew it. Oh, and it's so Grace. sad. So Grace breaks up with him and runs away. And oh, poor Grace. So, so yeah. earnest and good. But we see they have come to an end. So later on, uh, Robbie and Ray are sitting inside. Mickey is kind of commiserating. And R- Robbie's like, we can both go stag to the dance. It's fine. And Ray's like, no, I don't want to bring you down. You were so excited. And Robbie's like, yeah, I was faking it. He was like, I was lying so low, not flying so low. <laughs> so great. It's probably the dumbest line I love um, it. In, in this episode. But, you know, they're they're kind of talking about what they need in relationships. And Robbie talks about how he feel like he never really got over Kim. But he's like, no, I, I need somebody different because I've, I've changed. You know, <laughs> I'm not the same person that it's I was when I was dating Kim. I need somebody different and like free spirited. And he kind of looks at her and Mickey's and he's like, Maybe someone like her. And he sees this girl who has, like, her back to them, um, you know, and she's like, you know, I'm going to go talk to her. And Ray kind of cheers him on. And he goes up to talk to this girl. And, he, like, they, he decides that he's going to open and ask about jazz. So he's like, <laughs> never listen to Miles Davis. And he, he, you like jazz is her. And she, she turns around. She's like, yeah, listen to him all the time, Robbie. And it's Kim. It's Kim. It's Kim. She's, she's completely back. changed her hair. She's it's she's got beautiful braids now, so Robbie couldn't tell it was her. Yeah, oh, it's so dramatic. She's here and she's back, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" And she's like, "Waiting for you." And oh, it's so cute. It's so so cute. we end the episode on a montage of the two of them hugging and reuniting, and it's so yeah. cute. Meanwhile, Travis outside, and Parker, Travis and Parker oh. are dancing on the patio, and over at Lily's her and River are like kind of fake jamming out in her basement and Ray just kind of watches on and walks out the door of Mickey's and oh oh my goodness we've got one more episode one more episode holy shit you guys my god my god you guys by the time this comes out it's like one week left of the year as well (laughs) I know I know what what a way to close it out So over in Mickey's Discs for this week, we've got Ordinary by Sinclair, My New Favorite Love Song by Perfect Nobodies, All You Get by Red Hot Valentines, Morning Worship by Detach, Jigsaw by Secadin, Turn Up the Dark by Sterling, Only a Girl by Easily Amused, and All Need Love by Easily Amused. So Easily Amused is the band we're going to focus on today. Um, the, uh, so the song All Need Love is what plays over that last montage and it's very dramatic. It's like, we all need love. Yeah, we all need love. Yeah, we all need love. And it's just like, so dramatic. And, uh, so when I searched Easily Amused, I got taken to the Wikipedia page for Keith McPherson who uh, is one of the two people who make up Easily Amused. Keith McPherson is a Canadian singer, musician, and songwriter. Keith was a member of the Top 22 in the fourth season of Canadian Idol. Born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba, he auditioned for the show Canadian Idol in Toronto, Ontario. He is an English major at the University of Winnipeg. He also sings in a local pop group, Keith and Renee, formerly named Easily Amused, with Renee Lamoureux. He has been with his band for over the past 10 years without a record label or management deal. <laughs> Which I don't I, know if that's a, yeah, is that a brag. That, that doesn't sound like a, like a brag. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't put is, that in your description. This definitely reads like Keith wrote his own, um, his own Wikipedia page. But uh, so Keith McPherson and Rene Lamoureux both have their own websites and their own projects as well. In fact, Keith McPherson doesn't seem to do a whole lot of music anymore. 
he uh if you go to keithmcpherson.ca he's like a a mindfulness coach uh oh. speaker and author he does you can you can get personal coaching or online yoga classes from him if you want um <laughs> he can also send you a daily intention email so if you want uh, daily intention emails from one of the singer songwriters behind easily amused you can do that um renee lamoureux also has a solo career and actually her album empower was nominated for adult contemporary album of the year at the 2020 junos she lost to brian adams which is like you know i mean you're up against brian adams so that's 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 tough competition but um yeah she she uh does her um does her own thing as well easily amused is a band that we've heard a little bit throughout in fact there's one song i always like think of when i think of rfr that we haven't really talked about yet it's called no one's fool it's that one that like it plays in mickey sometimes i feel like it's like bah, 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 bah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. so that's another like easily amused one it's kind of cool like some of their their songs all sound kind of like different because sometimes renee's singing the vocals sometimes keith is they have like different feels so yeah that's uh that's easily amused they're they're another one that kind of pops up throughout and uh yeah, go go to keithmcpherson.ca for all your mindfulness and yoga needs, I guess. Well, while we're wrapping up the show, still feel free to follow us on social media. You can find us at Podcast Free Roscoe on Facebook and Instagram or Pod Free Roscoe on Twitter. Feel free to send us an email as well. The The inbox isn't going anywhere, so we, we'll uh, still be here. We do we'll exist outside of this show. Yeah, It isn't that we've only existed every Wednesday of 2020, <laughs> as, we just as kind rumor of has it. Spawn into existence. Those, yeah. for that brief hour yeah we just appear with a sudden vast and upsetting knowledge of canadian content yeah some of some of it has truly been upsetting oh boy. <laughs> mainly mainly the monster by mistake stuff <laughs> top five most upsetting CanCon moments of 2020 oh maybe we'll do that next episode <laughs> oh boy we'll see we'll see how many top five lists we can fit in yeah yeah well so we'll see you guys next week for the for the finale i guess but yeah Make sure to send us an email at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com if you want. But until then, this is Podcast Free Roscoe signing off.